Hello everyone and sorry about the delay with this week's episode. Unfortunately there's a bit of static in the audio but it is still a very fun and great discussion so we hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see you next week. Hi everyone, welcome to Bookversations. We're your hosts. So I am. And I'm Mahmouda. Join us as we have conversations inspired by books. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Bookversations. This episode's conversation is inspired by Butchie Emichita's Second Class Citizen. So I'd tell us what the book is about. So this book basically is about Ada, a woman from the Igbo tribe who moves to England to live with her Nigerian student husband. She soon discovers the life for life for a young Nigerian woman living in London in the 1960s is grim. Rejected by British society and twatted by her husband who expects her to be sub- subservient to him, she is forced to face up to life as a second-class citizen. Isn't it interesting, though, that she never settles for that title, second-class citizen, even though that was what was expected of her? Wait, I'm confused. Because even though she's expected, I mean, settle as in the main character, not the author. Oh, even right. though she was expected to be a second class, isn't she was fighting against that? Oh, title, I get your point. I, guess. I get your point. Like she didn't, yeah, she didn't yeah. accept the label that society gave her. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So mean. let's get on to our opening section. What were your overall thoughts about the book? I actually love it. I really enjoyed reading it. The first time I read it, I read it in one go. I remember it was in December last year. Yeah. Yes, a friend of mine chose it for her book club, and I didn't attend the book club session, but I've been wanting to read um, Butchie Mitchita for a while, so I thought, why not read this one? Also, because I'd also read her second book, The Joys of Motherhood. Yeah. And I really loved that. I love that she always has female protagonists and the way that she writes. Oh, she has a good sense of humor. It's very interesting. And I also love the Nigerianness of her writing. It was very interesting to see an exploration of Nigeria in that time, pre pre was it pre independence? Oh, I mean, it was in the 1960s, actually. So I guess independence slash post-independence and how people yeah. lived in Lagos. Like the visual image I have when I read the book is different from the, different from the Lagos I know like today. Yeah. So I love that. I really love anything set in like around the independence time of Nigeria or like the 70s, 80s when we're doing it. We're doing okay in the, mm. with the economy. I also love like the character's resilience. If there's one thing that character has, my God, she is determined like nothing can stop her from going for what she wants once she sets her heart to something she gets it, she goes for it. done bruh she it doesn't matter what it takes her but she gets it done and i really really loved that because that was one consistent trait that pushed that character forward mm-hmm. and that pushed the story forward so i remember listening to uh, a lady a few weeks ago she's an editor at one of those publishing houses and she was talking about how she will always be someone who champions like who believes that characters plot? So there's always there's always this thing about whether a book is plot driven or character driven. Interesting. And she was like, how she feels like character is plot because it's the character that actually moves the story. And she gives a very distinct example of like Matilda, and how it's not the fact that Matilda is intelligent that drives the book. It's the fact that Matilda believes in things being done the right way and in consequences for those who don't do things the right way and that's kind of what drives the book forward and how she she retaliates or kind of punishes her parents when they do things that she thinks is wrong and the teacher and so on i've never read before have you watched it no oh my god (laughs) i know isn't like a popular play (laughs) yeah i've never anyway (laughs) we're not gonna talk about that but when I when I was reading this book, I, I when I was when I, when she was talking about that, I was thinking about this as well about how the one thing that drives the book forward is 
at this resilience. You want to see how far she would go with yeah. this resilience and determination of hers, especially in a world where everyone is saying, no, you cannot do this. Or someone like you should not do this or should mm-hmm. not know how to do this. Like, that's what drives the story. Anyways, Mahmoud, what are your that's thoughts? That's a great point. Yeah, I think for me, I've always wanted to read Butchie. I hope I'm not butchering her name, Butchie Mechita, because for some strange reason, there are loads of guys who read on Twitter who really love her books, which I found interesting because Nigerian in particular, because like you said, a lot of her books are based around really strong female protagonists. I, obviously, I don't want to generalize here about Nigerian men and the type of books that we read. But I always found it, I always found it interesting that she has such a legendary status. So this is the first time I am reading her book. And like you said, she's just one of those people that like she belongs in the class of like the Chuno Achebe's. Not that I want to use Chuno Achebe as like the ultimate comparison for her, but I just think it's just to say that her writing is impeccable. It is mm-hmm. just gorgeous. I, I, and it's timeless, isn't it? Yes, exactly. It is, and I think when when you read this book, it transports you to a different time, like you mentioned. Like even if, even the British setting as well. Even though you can identify mm-hmm. the names of the roads and like the places, but it does transport you to a different period. But we'll, when we get onto the discussion, we'll also see how perhaps some things haven't changed because the book deals with gender. A lot of things haven't changed, bro. So you're reading the book and you're like, oh, well, some things have not changed. We're still having to battle some of the same issues that were present in the past. So, yeah. And also, I think the fact that it's autobiographical fiction as well is really powerful. Because when you were saying about character, like a character driven book, I think she's able to infuse so much power into her into her characters because it is coming from her life and the experiences. It's experience, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And the strength that she has okay so let's get on to our discussion i feel like the main themes of our discussion is going to be also if you do sorry go on Uh, i was gonna say if you do read this book prepare yourself for a moment of heart wrench and heartbreak oh are we gonna say it or not disclaimer i think we should leave it because that's what it was part of the reading experience for me i was shocked to the core and i don't know it just make, made me come away, come away with a different kind of feeling towards men for a short period of time. Of yeah, I think but it's still, still, it'll be a shocker like, for people who don't know the author's story. But if you yeah, know the author's yeah. story, it's not going to be a shocker, then you know, like, you kind of know <laughs> what yeah, happened. Sure yeah, so I feel like the discussion is going to be based mainly around the title, Second Class Citizen, in terms of, should we start with gender first? Well, let's start with the beginning, because we're going to be talking about the role of women, or at least how women participate in society. So the first thing I want to talk about is how women uphold patriarchy. So in the in the first chapter of the book, Stress. in the first kind of like chapter of the book, mm-hmm. Ada as a young girl talks about her excitement for education, wanting to wanting to go to school. And it was at a time where because women were expected to get married really early, a lot of people didn't consider education to be a necessity. So what's interesting is her dad was in support of her getting educated, but it was her mum who thought it was useless. And that carries a powerful analogy for for some of the other things I want to bring up. (laughs) I feel like this podcast is going to be a rant as well. But yeah, what were your thoughts on that? First of all, I feel like I remember, I think I wrote somewhere something along the lines of women are the cause of their own downfall or we just give each other unnecessary stress because why? And I think about this not just even in not in just that context, but I think about it in the context of marriage as well. Mm-hmm. Like of how, for example, I was with one of my family, my one of my aunties, and she was talking to me about food, and I was like, "Oh, I don't like cooking anyway." And she was like, "What if you?" I've had this from so many aunties, God. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but she was like, 
it's very recent so she was like what if you marry someone who likes eating and I said to her what I say to all of the aunties asking that question if he likes eating and he doesn't know how to sort his own food out then we've got a problem yeah anyways she was like no you can't say that and how she understands that yes it shouldn't be that way but then that's how it is and what will you do so I then I gave her an example of someone I know a cousin of mine who they have an partner have a really good relationship in terms of cooking she doesn't like cooking but they sometimes he cooks or they pay someone to cook and bark and so when she was like oh my my auntie was like oh my god yeah imagine if the in-laws of this boy finds out that she's doing this and I was like first of all you're not putting the late they're not putting whatever it is that the girl or the woman wants first it's just about it's about the guy or what he wants or what his family is going to do and I'm just thinking you're a woman who you've complained about having to do this all the time you've complained about how stressful this can be so you know how difficult it is yet you want someone else to go into that situation and then go through the same struggles as you basically it doesn't make sense to me you know when you said women are enemies of each other yeah I think we have to realize the amount of unlearning that needs to happen and the reason why I want to talk about this in particular is because there's a specific example so basically what happened was I was listening to a podcast I don't want to give enough information so that it's obvious the podcast that I'm talking about but anyway this is a podcast (laughs) I find that I listen to sometimes because some of their views are so fascinating to me because there are men in our age group anyway they were they were having a conversation about marriage and a lot of the times they were just using terminology like I hate the market terminology that we use for women like a woman's value like is mostly in her youth there was a lot of wild statements that was flying and I went to write an essay I went to write an essay because I read it I I listened to it and I was like this is Mm -hmm. insane that you have these group of men just sitting around talking about when's you know like a woman's value aspiring after a certain age anytime I hear this I actually forget that I can't believe that there's people who still exist and still think like no but that's the thing like when they were speaking you can tell they had like firm belief and conviction in what they were saying and Mm -hmm. they didn't see anything Mm -hmm. wrong in in what they said so anyway I I wrote the essay but I didn't want to publish out of anger so I just kind of left it there and then you actually know what I'm talking about. We were having a conversation with someone that I know who's a woman because my, my essay initially <laughs> was from the perspective. Was from the perspective Sorry. of like men. Mm-hmm. Men just not understand. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring that up. And so well, but having, we were having a conversation with this particular person <laughs> and she was using this same exact terminology. And I was so thankful in that moment that I hadn't published that essay because it made me, it made me kind of confront a really important reality that we also have to be having particular kind of conversations with women like us, right? And I think part of the reason why women sometimes uphold patriarchy is because like some women sometimes think, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me, right? So like, let's say for example, when we when we speak about marriage, because at first I was like, okay, it's because I'm like, am I taking this personal? But then I was like, I'm not taking it personal. This is just like a, a matter of common sense and a matter of like thinking about why this term is a matter of common sense. And I think when 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 I was when we were having that conversation, that's when I realized what my issue with it was, is because yes women do have a limited range of fertility but I think ultimately what it boils down to and what you hinted to before is in conversations it's almost like we distill that women's essence and purpose is limited only to fertility so then like if you haven't fulfilled that aspect then you're useless and I'm like so for women who are married and don't have kids for women who make the choice not to get married the whole idea of like a product that expires that you throw away I'm just like come on there are ways that you can talk about metaphor but i'm saying even muslim men weaponize it like it's a cultural thing though because again 
the ways people could use Islam to weaponize is how they'll quote like stuff about the family and pres- mm-hmm. preserving lineage and also like a woman should be in the home they train the kids mm-hmm. and also again like because of how a lot of cultures I'm just think- thinking in terms of like Nigeria now a lot of cultures like think about how when a woman has children she's yeah. seen as more important like than a woman who doesn't have children mm. then when a woman has boys there's a exactly. there's like a kind of status that you're given compared to someone who has just girls again it's all centered around children it's all about like and when you're single versus when you're married there's also already a problem mm. when and i think because we already seen as you're not quote unquote the breadwinner the only other value you therefore bring is that you're a woman who should be married taking care of a, a home somewhere or taking care of some man somewhere i mean taking care of this person who's going out to go to work and come back the reason why i mean what I learned very quickly is or why I said it wasn't common sense is that it's if if that's what you're used to seeing and yeah. that's what the people around you always say then you don't know that it's different you can't think that different for you is probably even wrong so I have a friend I was talking to and I was not surprised when he said something along the lines of um or I understand that you want to get married very quickly because obviously like the woman's window is very short and how because he lives with one of his he lives with his auntie and she always tells the women around them that you need to hurry up to get married because the woman's time is, is short the woman's time is short and so obviously that's what he in his mind believes and I was like whoa 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 one second I'm not in a rush to get married <laughs> and he was shocked so I was like wait what why and I was like, because I'm going to do it in my own time and I'm not going to put pressure on myself by some timeline that somebody gave me somewhere. I, God has given me so many skills and abilities and so on. And I'm not going to limit myself to this one little box of finding a husband. I mean, it is a beautiful thing when you find someone, if you find someone. But there's so much more to women than just being somebody who takes care of a man and makes babies. That's the point that I went to make when I was writing the essay. I kind of titled it Intent versus Language because I, I understood the intent. And the point isn't that we can't talk about the reality that women are constricted by time. Like after 40, after, you know, late yeah. 30s, mm-hmm. it does get more difficult. Yes, we can talk about reality. But I just find that sometimes in the language that we use, it's just, it's devoid of it's so it's almost like I want people to listen to an excerpt of what I'm talking about so they can understand why it was so aggravating for me to listen to. I mean, you know what, each, each their own. I thought it was like an interesting aspect to the book about how women, even the mother-in-law, so Ada, the, the female character, kind of gets married early because the structure of the society means that she only has her path to freedom is through marriage. Like she, in terms of like working, in terms of getting education, she has to be married first to be able to do any of those. It's weird how society at that time was structured. It was structured around men. It was structured around men because everything about her life was men. When she was going to go get married, it was because they were going to use her diary to pay her brother's school fees. Yeah. And then when she was getting paid from work, it was to fund her husband's family's life. Like, Imagine. It was nothing about, oh, she's doing this because she wants to do it and it's going to take care of her and herself. And, I mean, she was very smart, but still, mm-hmm. like, everything just centered around men. I, and I was going to talk to you about this privately, yeah. but I just find that, just recently maybe it's just recent years but especially just recently months maybe it's just because i'm getting older whatever but i'm getting more and more easily irritated by the things that are centered around men and i think it's slowly starting to affect the way that i interact with some people okay because i feel like sometimes a lot of men just come into the conversation with this kind of confidence i mean it's great to have confidence but it's just kind of this kind of confidence that like 
what I'm saying is right. And you're not even trying to look at a perspective of a woman mm. or like, I don't know, there's just the kind of aura that they have in rooms where they, they're the men and they're other women and they just have this authority that they give themselves. Yeah. And they don't really pause to listen to the women in the room. And even when a woman says something, they either dismiss it or they like kind of say it and then they try to say it better. And I just have like, been in patience for that and it's so sad how rampant rampant that is in society today uh, still i'm sorry i just thought one of the examples so what you were saying it hits home because one i think it's about privilege and the way that we experience the world i think unfortunately men sometimes navigate the world and have a particular kind of power as a result of their gender or they yeah. haven't had to put themselves in the shoes of women. So the example that I want to bring up, I don't know why I'm of always anybody. I don't know why I'm always listening to the wrong thing. So this one time, so basically someone that I know I know was in a room on Clubhouse and they were talking about it. So me too, I was doing baby room. So I said, let me go and join this room because it seems like wild things are happening. So it was around weight. It was around it was around, it was around weight gain for women, right? So you have you have, I'm not joking, I'm not joking. So I had at least five, men, man, five to six the... men, at least five to six oh, men God. in that room spoke about God. how if their wives could not lose weight after they had children, that meant they were lazy. Oh my god. That meant they, they they were they they didn't want to put enough effort. They were comfortable being the way that they were. And there was a sister, mashallah, may Allah bless her. Oh and I literally god. she was so soft spoken, so gentle. I like the way she held them accountable. Oh, I think I saw your tweet on this day because yeah. you literally she, she literally was giving the realities <laughs> of childbirth for her, how difficult it, it was, the impact that it had because she had an, a chronic illness, like her ribs, I think, contracted or something, the impact that it had on, on her health. Like even when she was... um even when she was getting fit or like doing exercise, uh, her female trainer told her not to do particular kind of exercises because it would be dangerous for her. But apparently her male trainers wow. were like, oh, why can't you do X, Y, Z? And she had to explain oh it to God. them. But just going back to the men, I just thought, you know what? You, you don't have to have gone through the experience to so think to yourself, let me put myself in the shoes, someone who's just been through one of the most painful experiences and then for you to turn around and say that just means lazy where is the compassion uh, in thinking uh, about oh how do i see that video why? where they what video where they would try where they try to put a man through the pain like equivalent of the pain of pure pain even pure pain they were, exactly they were really, <laughs> even pain. exactly and then oh my god so yeah i'm i'm fascinated by this point about empathy compassion and seeing things from each other's perspective i'm torn between we need to continue having these conversations women are quick to empathize more than men exactly i feel like a a lot of the time for men you have to break it down you have to explain to them why and and i personally i'm tired i don't have that patience anymore i'm i'm sorry but i just these days i think about something like is it worth my time is it a battle what to fight in i just if i can't be asked i'm really yeah the sister in the chat mashallah she did such a great i'm very happy that she was there because literally like no one interrupted her she spoke for at least 15 minutes and she was so gentle but just so firm i was like oh i love her i love her i love her but yeah i feel like a lot of them after she spoke understood like the mental health components and just the physical component as well and i was just like it's not easy it's easier for men to lose weight than it is for women like there's so much other stuff involved in that as well wait did you say it was easy for men to lose weight how do we know that yeah there was i think there was something about like how men and f- lose some fats easier than men and then women sorry i don't know if it's belly fat but there are some things that men lose easier than women i'm gonna find it yes yeah, so i know cool okay so 
let's talk about I guess the relationship so Ada and Francis right so in the book as we said earlier it starts off with her being in education her father dying then being out of education getting the basic minimum education but then somehow like you were mentioning in terms of resilience and strength pushing through until she got her university education and I guess like the point where it starts to go into race is when actually wait she did sponsor her husband to go to the UK first, didn't she? She sponsored her crappy, unserious husband to go and study. Who, first of all, failed that exam like three times or five times or whatever amount of times it did, only for him to still have the cheek to be talking to her the way he did. She was the breadwinner and he was trash. And that brought to mind the question, how we choose our spouses. But anyway, it's back to Mahmouda before I go on oh. another rant. Actually, okay, controversial, another controversial one. I saw this post recently where it said, oh, wait, no, let me pause it so I can find it. Okay, before I go on to the post that I was talking about, so I'd actually sent me links supporting her statement that men lose weight faster than women. So I will include yeah, it. There was some research. If anyone wants to yeah. read it. But yeah, I found the title of the post and I, I don't agree with one of the wording in it. So the, the word, um, the headline is, if you can't find a spouse who supports your career, stay single, I would eliminate career and just put purpose because i don't think career is life anyone supports your life because i generally feel like the wrong spouse can derail your life sorry as you can see in this book because francis was a hindrance wasn't anything he was oh god every step of you know what the most annoying part of this entire thing is first of all he doesn't contribute anything yeah. then he acts like he's some boss but then he also doesn't even have the guts to make decisions he would consult his father his uncles, his brother. And then when they say, okay, that's when he tells his wife, even though she's the one who's going to pay for whatever stupid decision they've made. Like, if you're going to act the way you're acting, you must, you have to have at least a backbone. It doesn't have one. Like something or some kind of talent, some kind of character. Something you're contributing to this relationship. Nothing. Literally, he's the real definition of what do you bring to the table? Zero. Zero. You know, every time I think about this book, I just get riled up. I'm sorry. I just get riled up. But yeah, it's true. Like he literally, only authority and confidence that he had in that relationship was that he was a man and therefore all power and authority should defer to him just by the virtue of his gender. Oh yeah. So I was saying that I would take career out and put purpose in it because I think everyone's everyone's life is beyond their career. So I don't necessarily think even well okay it depends if like your career is super important to you because i feel like some career driven women when they do get married their career takes a backseat which is perfectly fine and for some women they still want to be pursuing their career which means you do have to find a husband that is in support of that but this whole idea of just being very conscious and intentional about who you choose to get married to because ada kind of like she persists in the she persists in the in the marriage thinking maybe things will change maybe things will change i think it's actually quite fascinating that it's through children that she's bound to him refusal to do any form of like family planning cheat on her but still expect her to fulfill (laughs) him god very very fascinating and aggravating and aggravated the book is about being a second class citizen as a woman and then being a second class citizen in terms of race and you see the the way the difference and the way it interplays in the life of francis and ada because ada understands that there's hierarchy in society she doesn't absorb it which is fascinating whereas francis kind of finds himself in a society that does have a hierarchy in terms of how black people are treated and white people are treated and people of Asian origin um, descent are treated and he kind of just absorbs like this is my position in society and he just accepts it without questioning it and you see the way that Ada interacts like even in the 
workplaces, the the jobs that she applies for, despite society's structure, it's come to those people that believe that meritocracy will gain them some advantage in a way. I was just going to say how, like, for example, she was when she was working past this restaurant and she just thought how she would have gone into this restaurant if she had money. Yes. Whereas for her husband, he would not have gone in, not because they didn't have money, but because you really assume that they're not going, they're not going to serve Black people there. Mm. And I'm just thinking about this again in terms of the spouse that you marry and maybe making sure it's someone that fits you in terms of purpose and determination and all of these things. Because if you're someone who likes to question and disrupt and say, no, why shouldn't I be in these spaces and so on? And your husband is someone who is like, oh, let's not make any trouble. We should be thankful that they're able to let us do this, this. Then it's going to be difficult for you because for you to be able to do stuff like challenge systems mm. and spaces, you need to have a support system as well. If not, you're going to break down. True. Um, and that contributes again to how she, oh, her life was very intense, man. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good example that you brought up because in the I thought that was really poignant in terms of their different attitudes. But isn't it so fascinating? Because I think to some extent it still happens nowadays. Like if you go to particular shops, you get drilled around. I'm not talking packs, even that happens a lot. <laughs> but I'm talking about like high end shops, like Oprah going into just shop. Tesco. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh god! Oh my you know, god! Oprah going into a shop. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah not accused but like being looked at as if she can't afford what she wants to buy mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's this prevalence of even when you have access to money and wealth you can't you can't erase the way that people see you because of the color of your skin access and power will get you so far one thing i like as well about this book but quite a few books too will be set that have been set in like the same thing of like black people have been fed to this concept of whiteness the whiteness covers there's a line there where she was like the concept of whiteness could cover a multitude of sins mm. but then Ada's discovery that that lady, so you know how she had the lady babysitting her kids and the lady lying about all of the things that she did to the kids, even if she said she didn't do it. Yes. And the moment where Ada realizes that, oh my God, so white people are not, they're not saints. They're not like this thing that is untouchable. Yeah. And she was like, if white people lie, then what is the thing that makes them superior from us? Mm. It can't just be skin color. And it's interesting because I've read quite a few books again where even like maybe set in like slavery times where this black person recognizes that, okay, this person does exactly the same things that I do as a human being. And then you're faced, you're forced to face the question, what is this thing that makes this pe- these people superior? What is this thing mm-hmm. that makes them better than me? Or is it just that I'm crazy because I don't see it? It's very interesting, but I love that realization that they have when they say, okay, these people are just the same as I am doesn't make sense that they have all of this power that they claim to have on this note actually i recommend the book i just finished called the confessions of franny lantern it's set in like 1800s london slash jamaica but it's really really interesting and if it's about this lady who's about to be killed well what she's on trial for killing her master and his wife Mm -hmm. and she's given us a confession so she's writing this story and she's telling you how for you to understand what ha- what happened, she has to go all the way back from the start. And she was basically, I don't know if that's a spoiler. Hmm. <laughs> she was just basically, she was the birth child of an experiment of these two white men who, one of them, well, they both have similar ideals, but they deviate at some point, which is just one of them believes that black people are inherently different from white people. They're just not human. Whereas the other one believes they're human, but that we might have different capabilities. But she, they wanted to see to what extent then can a mixed race person learn or be intelligent, as intelligent as a white person. And so they create this mixed race baby and then they train her, educate her, and they try to see how far 
that will take her or how far she can go with that. Obviously, that leads to several different consequences and, and so on. But it was just quite interesting, just the unraveling of the ideas that white people possessed of black people. And even though it's fiction and it was set in the 1800s, I loved the nature of how like scientific and political the book was. Yeah. And it does reference a lot of like a lot of facts and real time like sources. Mm-hmm. But it was a really, really interesting read. Um, I would definitely recommend it. What did you say the title was again? The Confessions of Franny Langton by Sarah Collins. I don't know what else I want to talk about. Embroidery ranted, that's why. Yeah. Ranted and ranted and ranted. <laughs> But the thing is, everything about the book was annoying. Not annoying as in the, not everything about the book as in the book itself. It's just the themes, they were so aggravating. And I think specifically because I guess you're black women, right? So it's like you're faced by almost everything that she goes through on a daily basis. We're still having to, we're still having to experience these things. And it was very easy to come up with an example of where this thing has also happened to you in your life or something similar to this thing has also happened to you. And I remember reading and I was like, oh my God, I was literally, I made notes on almost every single page because I was like, oh God, I remember when this happened and that happened and I can't believe this. The strength and resilience is kind of what drives this book. And it does, it does, it ends on a shocking but hopeful note. In a yeah, way. she's very, she normally has very interesting endings for her book. I, I'd yeah. say the same about the joys of motherhood as well. It was a very unexpected ending. I need to read that book. But I found a good quote, I think, to summarize our discussion. So in chapter nine, it says, they were kind, those women in the ward. So this happens after she'd just given birth, I think, to their fourth child. Um, so it says, they were kind, those women in the ward. For the first few days, when Ada was deciding whether it was worth struggling to hold on to this life, those women kept showing her many things. They seemed to be telling her to look around her, that there were still many beautiful things to be seen, which she had not seen, that there were still several joys to be experienced, which she had not yet experienced, that she was still young, that her whole life was still ahead of her. So I thought that was like a beautiful sentiment in general sometimes when you are stuck in particular situations in this case her marriage kind of witnessing that her marriage was not fulfilling her her marriage was hindering her life purpose and then determining how to yeah like how to navigate that going forward I love that she confronted that because it was only a matter of time he did so much so much to yeah she's reminded and I think that's why environment is so important like in her short stay at the hospital she's reminded of a vision of what life could look like and that's in part kind of what, what a good marriage her. could also look like yeah what a good marriage should look like and it inspires her to you know fulfill another purpose of writing which is which is amazing so yeah that's that's a good place to end the discussion do you have any favorite quotes i had one it was one of my favorites actually so yeah. it was she would never, never in her life get married to any man, rich or poor, to whom she would have to serve his food on bended knee. She would not consent to live with a husband with whom she would have to greet as a master or refer to as sir even behind his back. She knew that all Igbo women did this, but she wasn't going to. Mm. And the irony of this entire thing is that Frances was kind of literally all of, the, all of the things that she didn't want in a man. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you have to do a lot of this. A lot of begging and cajoling. So but I, I, thought, I thought it was interesting because I think in some ways she did challenge Igbo culture. Like she was smart enough. No, she did. The culture at the time, I don't want to say it's still mm-hmm. culture now. She was um, smart enough to challenge the culture at the time and make things work for her. Like the way she kind of influenced her mother-in-law to let her go. I love the way that she approached culture as like something that's man-made, something that can change. A lot of people approach culture as something that's so rigid, it can never change. 
I could I remember saying something to someone about this respect respectability thing that we have in Nigeria yeah and different story but anyways my cousin was talking about how she was listening to LD's podcast and he was talking about this event that happened a couple of years ago where Walishenka was on a flight I don't know if I didn't know about this until that last week where he was on this flight and it was in the window seat which is someone else's seat the young guy asked Walishenka like to tell him that he's in his seat obviously yeah but it is his seat and I mean it's my window seat I love window seat I'm sorry it doesn't mean he doesn't respect him right but lots of people went online to bash the child the, the, the guy and say he's disrespectful and who treats the elders like that and they made it about respect as opposed to just two individuals who like you in my seat i booked that seat and anybody, anybody can make that mistake that's the thing sometimes the rows the way they're numbered can make you go sit in the wrong place and even the Wolesheng himself, he didn't actually make a big deal he just stood up and like that's what i was gonna say like that's what you do. have a problem with it Exactly, but it's the entire nation, I guess, that then had this uprising about how how dare you, he's this old man. And they just kept, one thing that crossed my mind, or one thing I thought about was, would they say the same thing if he was a white person they didn't? Because I know Nigerians have that thing that they always do with, like, when it's a white person, it's, it's different. Well, not all Nigerians, but generally. A proportion of. When it's a white person, they do it different. But anyways, I was just, I was just thinking about, like, this respectability thing and how then somebody was saying to me, oh, you should call this person auntie because they're older than you. And I was like, calling someone auntie doesn't mean that you respect them. And this person went on a rant about, no, it's our culture. Why are you trying to change our culture? And how it's the the British who don't call people, who do not respect you anyway, and they don't call older people auntie. And I was like, no, 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 no. Respect is not in calling someone auntie. But then the person was just tied to this idea that it's culture to call someone who's older than you auntie or uncle and that shows respect and I was like you need to be willing to like look at other ways in which respect can be shown and sometimes some people take this respect being too far like the ones who go to the workplaces and tell you to call them your mommy or call them <laughs> daddy or whatever but anyways yes yeah I think yeah it, I just love that about her yeah I think that particular situation it, maybe it had to do more with the status of Wale Shoyinka because I feel like if it was any other no one, people a lot of people talked about the fact that it was I mean I think I think I so think too it, as well yeah, because we are very like safe to see people as well yeah yeah, that's yeah. Right. I mean if it was yeah. me I would have given up I would have given up my seat <laughs> sorry but then that's because you want to it yeah, should be something I want, I want to do I, not because it's a thing of I respect and oh my god and, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah I don't think anyone should be forced if they don't want to that's the thing that's the thing Oh, cool. so I only had what one. What was quote. your favorite quote? And I think it actually just links with everything that I talked about today. So it, it goes: she had gambled with marriage, just like most people, but she had gambled unluckily and had lost. I think what I find interesting about this quote, I think to some extent, when you do get married, there's no there's no guarantee of how things are going to turn out. Like you obviously mm-hmm. you do you do mm-hmm. your job, you even know, when you're carefree, even yeah, when you're like careful. you ask people, you do you know like everything, you ask questions, you do everything that you need to do, but ultimately. Like, you know, it's in Allah's hands. And unfortunately, that is why some people get divorced if the marriage is just not working out and they've tried every other, um, like, means for them. But yeah, I do think there is an element of, like, luck with marriage sometimes or <laughs> if it's destined. And some people, like, their first marriage doesn't work out and then the second marriage works out beautifully, which Perfect. is why yeah. Exactly, yeah. Like, you just don't know what everyone's path um, is going to be like. So that is my only quote from this book. What's the latest book that you're reading? I'm reading quite a few books, actually, and I have some comments. Anyways, I'm currently reading um, Notes to Self by Emily Pine, and I picked oh, it up because I saw geez. your... Oh, I just finished that. I picked it up because I saw your... Um, it was a tweet, I think, here. Yeah. Uh, 
and I found it I found the interest and I'm almost done but there's some ah, things that I've been like mm, mm, oh really mm, yeah. Ah. yeah sorry what what part so like there was a part where okay fair enough I think it's just maybe I should have more empathy and she's a, it's just the thing about being human whatever wow. but there's a part where she goes on about how she hadn't been shaving her legs because she didn't like this label that's been given to women and like the standards that have been given to us and so on and then one day she's on the train and then her child sees her and the child is screaming to her mom no the child points at her leg and says to her mom is this a man and then because of that she goes home and she shaves her leg and for me I was just like if you've come this far <laughs> anyways mean? none of my business but there are just some parts in the book where I was like Okay, interesting. But again, it's her life. I have nothing to say about it. And that's that. So I'm reading that book. It's just an observation. No, there was a section about period in the book that I highlighted because I I thought, literally, I was like, I I might get cancelled if I tweet this, but I was like, there's something about essays written, let me be blunt, by white women sometimes and their relationship with the period that I do not get. I know we have our issues, like Islamically, in terms of like Ramadan, etc. Mm-hmm. And you know, just conversations that we have around period. But that's the yeah, that section in the book I did not get. <laughs> I can't believe you. There's quite a few sections I didn't get, but anyways. <laughs> oh, yeah, but that was actually my thought. I was just thinking, why? No, anyway. but yeah, there were sections in the book that I really love. Like what she wrote about fertility was oh my god, heartbreaking. And like I really liked that as well. Her, her, her dad, yeah, yeah. So really fascinating, like in terms of like having someone in your family that deals with addiction and how you navigate mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I was thinking about um our podcast for yeah. Transcendent Kingdom when I was reading that section. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked it. It was it was a short read, like it literally did not take that long. There were there were parts that resonated and parts that did not. <laughs> I'm gonna literally, I'm gonna write that down <laughs> if you've come this far. <laughs> anyway, is there any other book that you want to mention? What else am I reading? I'm reading this oh god, I'm not gonna mention it, don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm about to start reading We Are All Birds of Uganda, actually. Oh. Um, and I'm actually quite excited about that. Because so. I've seen it in the book. I will, I will, because it's been on my list for a while, but I'm not sure. And I've seen mixed reviews, but I don't normally go about reviews anyway. I'm quite interested in the story itself. So I'm excited about reading that book. Yeah. Oh, what are you cool. currently reading? I, to be honest, I finished both of them. I read The Khan by Simon Mir because I was really excited. <gasps> How's that going? I, also, I, how did that I, go? I loved it. I thought it was like, it was something different. The The character that I loved, unfortunately, dies very early on. It's not a spoiler. Mm. So like the character of Akbar Khan, who is kind of like a mafia a mafia Muslim mafia bo- boss, but you, 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 I, I just, I just thought it was different in the fact that you don't really get Muslim characters that are written in that light, and I was reading, I was like, "Oh my god, so I was gonna hate this book." Oh god! <laughs> no, I don't think I. But yeah, I, I, um, Lord, I, I've been thinking about that a lot, actually. Yeah, this that thing about like Muslim characters, I don't mind. Ugh, I don't know if I don't mind is the word. It's the phrase mm-hmm. I'm looking for, but it's no, just, you're not gonna like it. This book, like sometimes uses ayahs from the Quran, like the character, so and hadith. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> you're gonna be like what? again i feel like i have to be honest I think one, one thing i've had to confront actually in the past couple of months especially uh-huh. with reading i've been reading a lot um it's just when you want to write if you i personally think if you want to write really good or read yeah. well then you have to drop your biases and judgment at the door and approach each character with like with 
as much as you can, no judgment. If not, you're not going to do. Ju- I feel like you can smell like the judgment in how a character is written. Yeah. And when you think that this person is not supposed to be this way, mm. um, and for someone who's writing a Muslim character who's a sex worker, I mean, I've also had to think about that as well. Oh yeah. Um, even though she's not quote unquote visibly Muslim, she is still Muslim, and I've also just had to think about what fiction is and just the fact that like characters are characters and you can't force them in a box and also the idea or not the idea people who are muslim there's a spectrum of us like it's wide right and then you can't put them in a box i don't know if you've watched this interesting series on channel 4 called we're lady parts about this oh, whole I, ha- muslim. I saw the trailer i'm sorry i know some people loved it i haven't watched it and i don't know if i actually it. found it quite interesting Did i, you? I, I yeah, which is interesting because first of all, I one of the reasons why I watched it was because I wanted to to confront that bias. I know I have that thing where I'm like, oh my god, Muslim characters, how are they gonna portray Muslims? And I think that just comes from the fact that we're always we're always put in this negative sense or negative light by the media. And I just I've been trying to just be more aware or conscious of the kind of expectations I take in when I watch or consume stuff with Muslim characters or when I read stuff with Muslim characters. I'm just trying to be more understanding that yes, it's it's kind of a representation of of Muslims to an extent, but it's not a definition of the religion, mm. and it's not what the religion is, and it's not what the Quran is, and I know what the Quran is, I know what the Hadith is, and I know what the Deen itself is. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's been a very interesting is realization. That separation. I, I definitely think it depends on the story that's been told. It depends on who's writing it and how it's been written. Like. I love when I read books by authors like Aisha Khan, where you, like you can like the the Muslim characters is praying, like it's very evidently a Muslim story. And I also like when the story is complicated, and if the character is complex and it requires stuff that's kind of like outside of our conception of what it means to be Muslim, mm-hmm. then yeah, like we can separate fiction from the reality. Which brings me to the other book that I just finished. That I really love the Beekeeper of Aleppo. Because I thought oh, it was so, like, literally, I'm going to buy it paperback. Same, same. I'm going to buy it as well. In terms of the writing, it gets that balance right. And it's strange because I was like, oh, is the author Muslim? And she's not. You know what I like about the, one of the things that, it was, sorry, it was one of those books that also, like, influenced, well, like, the, it was perfect. I was in it at the time when I was going through this confronting my bias thing. Because mm. even though the character was Muslim, it's not shoved in your face. Here and there, you see that he stops to pray and the do it. But, like, I loved how, like, he's Muslim, yes, but that's it. He's Muslim, but then he's, there's his life that's happening, right? Like, it's taken for granted that he's Muslim. Yeah. and like, I, It's I just love... a natural part of things. Yeah, I think sometimes when... It's weird because sometimes you read it and it feels like, oh, something not quite right. But, like, this just works. Like, when he it talks about him kind of, like, dressing his blind wife in her abaya and tying his hijab... I'm tying her hair. It's just normal, right? Yeah, it's just exactly. That's the thing. That's what I'm looking it's for. It's not like a big spotlight. Oh my God, I'm going to go and pray. Yeah. yeah, it's just something that occurs as part of their, their life. So, yeah, I, I like the book. It's really heartbreaking, though. Oh my God. Uh, I, I want to read her second book. It's, I'm on the wait list for it on the base called, I think, Songbirds. Or Sorry, I don't think I'm going to read that one because it's around the same kind of like subject. Really? Oh, I haven't read the blurb it's, if it's it a is, very then heavy subject would. as well I, I i i glimpsed it briefly and mm, I, just like, I always read heavy books as you know all i want is light books sorry no i was saying i feel privileged saying i only want to read light books because i feel like this was oh, so heavy sometimes it's needed yeah i just need to sit with the reality of what i read anyway go on i was gonna say i signed up so 
I told you, or I think I told you about this book I wanted to write. Oh, I think I already told you this, how I signed up for a <laughs> workshop in two weeks on yeah. how to write, write in happiness. Oh, yes, you did. I need it in my life. That is such a God. Like, I do not want to read any heavy books. I did finish, I finished Mindy Kaling's Why Not Me as well. It was quite light. Oh, actually, a book that's fun that was so different for me that I read recently is Piranesi. So that's the lady that won the um, Women's Fiction Prize. Oh. And I didn't know what to expect of it because I just didn't think it was going to be my jam. But I really enjoyed it. It was. It's not that long a book. It's not that thick. It's, the beginning is quite slow because of the world building that takes place to an extent. But the, I, I think one of the signs of good fiction is when you have questions enough that even though the starting is slow, you still want to carry on reading and I had lots of questions even though I was like oh this book is slow but there's so many things I wanted to answer that was a nice carry on reading and it does pick up pace once you get to like the 20% mark so okay. I would recommend it actually it was quite different for me from what I normally read but it was very interesting I enjoyed it that's good Mark just check it out okay so that's the end of today's show thank you for joining us on this episode of Bookversations we hope you've gained benefit from the discussion. If you've enjoyed the episode, remember to like, review, comment, and share it with friends and family. Bookversation is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, and several other platforms. Email us your thoughts at bookversationspod at gmail.com and let us know what books you want us to check out. Till next time, remember to read. Remember to read. Bye, guys.